DJ and PK, time to talk Pac-12 football, Utes, Huskies, and Ducks with Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Do we really have to talk about Ducks? I mean, it's... It's, it pains me to talk about the Ducks. Yeah. But, hey, good morning, guys. What are you going to do? You know, they were picked to win the North. Got his day. And the only team that could stop them now is Oregon State. What? Makes sense. <laughs> Oregon would have to get upset, and then Oregon State would have to yeah. win the uh, the game they call the Civil War, and Oregon State would be in the title game, and uh, Larry Scott would drop to his knees and cry. <laughs> Pretty much true. <laughs> But, but, you know, in reference to the, to the Utes and Dogs, that was a very entertaining game for a number of reasons. One, you know, I've been waiting for this Utah team to finally put together a, a truly signature win that, that defines the tenacity of what Coach has done, has been able to do there over his, his tenure. And, and really, you know, to, to, in all honesty, to show youth fans or give youth fans that they know how to finish the season. And, and they put it together. I mean, the, the first half went the way it did, but turning it around, making adjustments, playing harder, and finalizing or seeing it through in the second half uh, is what I saw of that Utah, Utah football team. And, and even as a Husky fan uh, and uh, a Husky alumni, um, it, was, it, was, it was rewarding. It was a good game. I was proud of you guys. We obviously watch every single play of every game for the Utes, and one of the more startling developments is the just the brilliance of Tyler Huntley. You know, as a senior, you expect him to get better each year, but in all honesty, I did not expect him to be this good. He has been sensational. What level of surprise do you have as far as his play this year? I think it's, if you look over the tenure of his time there at Utah, just the natural progression from when he came in. We talked, we were doing this stuff a couple of years back. Um, you know, his not being able to, to scan the field or had a strong arm, had potential, but just used his legs and got hurt a couple of times. That sort of natural pro- progression and maturity, and sort of, and also understanding what his talents and the people around him and how to use it. You've got to run game, but you, the big thing when you talk about, especially in the second half, was time of possession. And that takes a very smart quarterback along with the teamwork of the offensive coordinator and, more importantly, just a, the total outing of your offense. Um, but, the, but time of possession and controlling the clock and picking up you know, big third downs, keeping the chains moving, that's a, that's a true sign of maturity. And you don't see it out of a lot of quarterbacks because in today's game everything seems to be rushed. Um, but, but as far as development and maturity, I, I, I think the, the world of Huntley, I think he did a great job. You know, all those things make sense, but even if I thought everything came together, I didn't think he'd be completing 73 or 74% of his passes while pushing the ball down the field. They run some deep stuff. They run a lot of medium-range stuff. It's not all, you know, short Dinkin and Duncan. But you're a former offensive lineman. I'm curious what you thought about this. Nick Ford, a Utah offensive lineman, was talking about the confidence they got um, as the game was going along. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you hear a play in the huddle and already know, and he started to get this smile. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking to me, you're just, it's four minutes, I'm just going to get through it, and I'll be done, right? But he got this smile, and you could just see that he was standing in the huddle, and he was actually hearing play calls and thinking, I knew that was going to be a big play. When, it, when everyone's on the same page, do you get that? Is it pretty rare in football? Do you get it pretty often where you're standing in the huddle and you just already know this is going to be big? 
it really is fun because in my in my experience, um, when you reach that sense of maturity or the game hits it, they they, they use the, the saying that it slows down where everything seems to be in slow motion. And it's exactly true. When you're clicking and you're running in such a rhythm, no matter what you call, you know it's going to work to some degree, the game slows down and it looks like you're seeing it in slow motion. With that being said, when you have this type of experience, especially at quarterback, and I love the intermediate passing game that the Utes have. I really do because you don't see a lot of it. You either see, you know, you take some long shots with 50-50 balls or, or you see you want to, you know, dank sideline to sideline, as you mentioned, the short, the short game. But I love the intermediate passing game. But when you're in a huddle and you know that you've got things going on and you have that sort of just vibe about you that if, um, you know, look, if we keep this yeah, as an offensive lineman, if we keep him standing up, he'll be able to do his job. We'll be able to move the ball. Uh, I, I think that's really a great thing, a great deal. And, and it's, it really is fun. really makes football fun. So do you see any way either of these two teams, speaking of the Ducks or Utes, lose until they play each other in the conference final next month? Well, it's, it's, there's always potential for letdown, but I'm hoping not. And the reason why is because I really do want the pack to perform in, uh, in the college playoff. And, and I just – if both of the teams, the Utahs, the Utes and the Ducks run the table and the, the winner of that game, I can't – I'm not saying it's impossible. And, and there are scenarios where you would – I'd be frustrated if it happened. But if the winner came out um, of that and was not in the playoff, it would be very disappointing. See, I think that if – and it, the great thing about college football is in November, there's usually some shocking scores. Just, just totally surprises. But if there are no surprises, I think the team that wins, if Utah and Oregon are 11-1, and the, the winner that's 12-1 and is going to be sixth in the college football rankings unless there's surprises and chaos in front of them. Now, how much higher they get just depends on how much chaos and how many surprises. But don't you think the Big Ten champ, the SEC champ – uh, Clemson, uh, assuming either Baylor's undefeated or if Oklahoma's a one-loss Big 12 champ, uh, and then whoever loses the LSU-Alabama game. I, I think there's at least five teams in front of the Pac-12 champ. Yeah, and that's and that's a scenario that you have to play with. Uh, uh, to me, there's only one team that really, you know, that if doesn't win their conference championship and will get in, um, and that's Alabama. If they, you know, I, I, I just seriously foresee that. And that's unfortunate because that fourth spot can be a critical spot. But what I'm hoping in, like, one of the scenarios you talked about when you talk about, um, say, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, if Oklahoma runs the table and they beat Baylor in the Big, Ten, the Big 12 championship, it is what it is. But then you take in consideration the loss, say, let's just say, let's just throw it out for Oregon. Um, wins the Pac-12. And then their loss becomes against a strong Auburn SEC team. However, Oklahoma's loss becomes against uh, Kansas State. You see what I'm saying? Weighing the options back and forth. I mean, the truth comes down to it. They just need to have more teams. That's just what it comes down to. But until we get to that point, somebody is going to be heartbroken. Someone's going to be left out. And I'm hoping that, as we talked about, if these two Pac-12 teams run the table and everything, the chips fall in front of them. Because, look, I think LSU can beat Alabama. And I think LSU can possibly win the SEC championship. But we already know the playoff is not going to exclude the SEC champion. So that's one spot taken. And you know, you know, and I and I know that you're going to have a hard time not putting Alabama in the conversation, Um, no matter how many games. I mean, if they lose and don't play an SEC championship, you already know that's not going to happen. So we talked about Huntley's substantial improvement. Have you seen the same thing out of Herbert? And obviously, he's a senior. 
Yes, but the the big thing for Herbert that that um, is the the pro prospect and and the concussion issues and the injuries issues. But I have seen that development out of Herbert. Um, he's more. You see, the problem that the NFL scouts and talking to a lot of people I hear the problem is is that there's a transition in the realm of quarterback, especially when you talk about guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray uh, and their ability to run on the next level, the Russell Wilson. So you have a lot of people who are looking forward to that. But Herbert's one of those throwback, prototypical standing tall in the pocket, Peyton Manning's, those type of guys. So you still have a lot of scouts and a lot of teams that are looking for that. With that draft potential or that draft preview being on the horizon, it'll be interesting to see. But I have seen the same amount of de- development and, and maturity out of Herbert. That's why I think, you know, from, you know projecting – I think it's, it would be uh, beneficial if Eason from Washington comes back for his senior year. So I'm curious, and it's a long way out to handicap the game. There certainly be injuries between now and then, and teams can get better between now and then. But when they do the playoff, they do the whole comparative schedule. And Auburn, Oregon played Auburn and right. played them tough and didn't yeah. seal the deal when they could have, would have, should have. And they blew out USC and they edged Washington. Utah doesn't have an Auburn on their schedule. They lost to a USC team that Oregon blew out, and both the games mm-hmm. were in the Coliseum. And they both had close games with Washington and won. Mm-hmm. Uh, should you fans be worried about that, or do the Utes have a defensive line that's going to pressure the quarterback and be a huge equalizer, and this game lives on its own, and don't worry about the competitive score stuff? And then when you take in the intangibles of the stats, the fact that defense is leading the country, rush defense, I think that stands out. Um, I, I think potentially if you have, let's say you have a, not, a, non-blow, a good game between these two teams in the Pac-12, then I think considering how tough one another plays is going to weigh heavily on their ability to get into the college playoff spot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I think it would be – there's more to it than that, but certainly, yes, that would matter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a good game on, uh, on national television, um, showcasing both of these teams, their strengths and their abilities to do. And if, it, if, it, if it's a battle that goes back and forth and it is, you know, it's not lopsided, um, even if it was lopsided, depending on the resume, then you know, it would probably have to be Oregon be lopsided. But if Utah came out and dominated Oregon and, and did it in such a way where they completely shut down, that would, that would bode well for them as well. Obviously, Lincoln, you've been around football for a long time. You've been a pillar, College Hall of Fame. You go up to Washington Stadium. Uh, I think it's called whatever Alaska Stadium or Husky Stadium. I guess the <laughs> Husky basketball stadium, is. Just call it uh, Husky Stadium. Keep it simple. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know they got all those banners. And you're so I went up there to cover the game for the, my station. Brought my wife. I said, "Yeah, that's that guy that we talk to every week." So she was <laughs> impressed. You know, you get a big banner. So you've been around and you're playing. You're working the NFL and all this stuff. I'm wondering if this new athletic director picked up the phone and called you and said from athletic director at SC and said Lincoln what do we need to do to build a solid program because these last several years we've been hot we've been cold we've run through a slew of coaches and we certainly haven't been like we're capable of being and have been for many years what would you tell this new AD as far as building a football program that's sustainable along the, the right way over the long term I've always believed a college program, especially, takes on the identity of its head coach. And that identity is defined not only by past actions, but just by their feeling or the feel that you get does, does that person belong. When you're talking about L.A., you automatically think about the glamour and glitz. And so someone 
you know, someone that might, you know, definitely would seem out of place. I mean, it's, it, I, I think Helton really has seen him out of place because he's really never gotten a fair shake. But if I was to push in the right direction, I would say, you know what, I think you guys should go after somebody like a Jack Del Rio or somebody like a Fisher who's been there, who's been through the program, who knows what SC football means to Southern California as well as to the entire country. It's hard to take on someone new. Now, the whole thing about Urban Meyer, and and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, I told you there were grumblings the moment he got the Fox job that this is what there was going to be um, looking for. And I've heard since then the reason why Lynn Swan stepped down and everything has been in turmoil is because they didn't want to support the fact of going after an Urban Meyer. They didn't think it was good for the program, especially with the past history. With that being said, he's still a hot commodity. And now that Florida State is open and Urban Meyer is still on the open seat, you already know the names that are going to be thrown around. But in order to escape just getting caught up in all the hype and do a good program, I think you need somebody who reflects on that program. And that's why I said, like, a, you know, the other uh, aforementioned names of, uh, you know, Del Rio. I think Del Rio would be a right, for the, a right fit for SC because he, he knows coaching, he knows football, he's, he's done it on a higher level and has had some success. And I think he'd be ideal. I, I don't know how he is as far as a recruiter, but, you know, you can always hire those people around you to help you get that done. You know, as we, uh, as we look at some of the other successful programs and conferences, you look at the SEC, they got five teams at seven and two or better. Now, I know they play eight mm-hmm. conference games, not nine, so it's a little mm-hmm. apples and oranges, but you look at the Pac 12, and there's only two teams that are better than uh, five and four right now. I guess three, because Arizona State's five and three. But it still looks like there's not going to be anybody better than eight and four. And it was a big win for Utah over Washington, but Washington's going to be eight and four, maybe seven and five. Are there any other programs that you think can get it together right away? In addition, obviously, Utah and Oregon seem to have it rolling. Well, I mean, let's put it in perspective. As I said many times in talking to you guys, I love the Pac-12 because I love the fact that there's competition throughout. It's not just top-heavy. And when you look at, and I, I made the argument on my show many a times about the argument on SEC and even ACC and all the big, the, the big names, they're playing the schedule game. I mean, last week, one of the teams had Wolford on their schedule. I mean, in Coastal Carolina. If you look at Alabama's schedule, they either get a bye before one of the premier big games uh, versus LSU or someone else, or they're taking on a cupcake late in the season. And to me, there's no reason why any school – I mean, you should be playing a cupcake in November or October. You know what I mean? But that's exactly what the schedule makers have done for these big schools. So with that being said, I think there will be a time where the committee needs to take that in consideration. I understand you have to play your league, your conference games, but when you're scheduling a cupcake or a buy between uh, premier games, and Washington did it, but it didn't work out for them. They lost to Oregon and ended up losing to Utah. Uh, you know, if you're, you're not playing top five or power five conference t- uh, teams throughout the season, especially after your non-conference games, then, uh, including your non-conference games, then to me, it, your schedule is, is, is weak. I, I just don't pay that that mind because these other teams aren't as good as the top-tier teams on, in those conferences. New Mexico State's at Ole Miss this week. 0-8 in Mexico go. State. There it is. So You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, it's things like that. Lincoln, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, talk to you next week as the Utes get ready for UCLA. The two teams that Kyle Winningham points out both have a clear path and don't need any help to the, uh, to the conference title game. True story. All right. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a great day. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Analyst. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.